session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. All right, before I do the summary of the book from the past week, the book for this week is The Science of Couples and Family Therapy by John Gottman and Julia Schwartz Gottman. The Science of Couples and Family Therapy Behind the Scenes at the Love Lab. And um, longtime listeners have definitely heard me talk about the Gottman's research on relationships and marriage. They've done a lot of extensive research, and The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work is one of my favorite books for couples to read. Uh, but this is a book that actually they've just uh, published this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they say about the science of couples and family therapy. It seems like they're going to, I just read a few pages of it today, do kind of like an inventory or some history of where couples therapy and families therapy, family therapy came from and how it works or is not working, and then also some new suggestions. So very much looking forward to reading that and sharing it with you next week. But the book for this past week was Blind Spot. Hidden Biases of Good People by Mazarin Banaji and Anthony Greenwald. And this was a, an interesting book on a topic that I've talked about in different ways, actually. Uh, Jamon Hicks uh, was a guest on the show a couple of times, but one of the times we talked about this issue of implicit bias, which I'll talk a bit more about. Um, but this is a very important issue when we look at things like racism, which is constantly in the news these days, whether it's um, some kind of laws or legislation being passed in the United States or some uh, incident with the police officers and African-Americans or Roseanne Barr's uh, tweets that got her show canceled. But we hear a lot about race and racism, and it's actually even become more common to hear about these issues. And this book actually brings up something that's very important because what we see usually these days is less of an explicit racism. Although we still do see it in the tweet I just mentioned and um, other people who make maybe similar types of statements, we see less explicit racism where someone says, I don't like this group of people or this group of people are bad in this way or some kind of disparaging comments about people of a certain group. That's become much, much less acceptable, also likely less common than it used to be, but um, definitely less acceptable as well. But what we still see is that that doesn't mean racism doesn't exist. Just because people are not explicitly expressing racism, there's still two things that can be going on. One, they might be harboring those same thoughts or beliefs, 
but don't publicly state them because they know there will be a backlash, but also that people might actually hold on to racist or prejudiced beliefs and thoughts, but not be aware of them themselves. And that's where this book comes in. So blind spot means that area, kind of like when you're driving, there's a blind spot that your mirrors don't show you. These are parts of our own brain, our own thinking um, about people or different groups that we ourselves are unaware of. That's why it's hidden biases of good people. And they say good people because there's many good people who don't think they're racist and they don't try to act in a racist way. But what we find is that they still have racist biases or prejudice biases within them. And that's what we're looking at. So to begin with, when we talk about these the fact that I can say, for example, I have nothing against Middle Eastern people, but within my head have this bias, we're looking at two facets of the mind, the reflective and the automatic. The reflective is when you ask me and I reflect and I think about it, you say, do you have any negative thoughts about this group compared to this other group? I say no. But the automatic is more within me, a reaction that I can't really control that might be there that might actually contradict what I consciously think. And also here, the idea of conscious and unconscious comes into play, that we might consciously think and believe something, but unconsciously we might actually think and believe something else, which is really important to acknowledge. And I'll talk about acknowledgement a bit later too. Uh, so how do they measure this or how do they look at this issue? Well, they use something called the IAT, the Implicit Association Test, which you can actually take online if you're interested in taking it. I do recommend it. You might be surprised by the results. Um, but they have many different categories that you can compare groups. And one of the more common ones and one of the ones that gets the most attention has to do with race. So what you're asked to do on these types of tests is, for example, if you see either an African-American face or a pleasant word, you mark on the left side. And if you see an unpleasant word or a European-American or a white face, you mark on the right side. And then another version, you would pair unpleasant words with African-American faces and pleasant words with white faces. And what you do is you compare the speed at which you do this and the number of errors that you make. You combine that to give yourself a total score and see the difference. What this uh, would find is if you find it easier to associate, let's say, pleasant faces with white or sorry, pleasant words with white faces, then this would show, compared to black faces with pleasant words, this means that you have a white equals good or black equals bad or not as good bias within you. And many, many people who think they are not racist at all and think they think all the races are equal will take this test and be very shocked and sometimes very disappointed to see that they actually have this preference for white faces of associate them associating them with pleasant words as compared to the black faces and even african americans can have this same bias within them it doesn't mean it's just people that are not of that background um, and it, they have tests for sexuality 
for weight, for age. Age is another big one where we have this association of old equals bad, old equals weak, old equals all these negative things. And you can see different groups and how you might compare them and find that you actually might have biases that you're not aware of. And so anyone who's heard me talk about race and racism has heard me say that we're all racist. And by that, I mean, we all hold on to some biases, whether we want to accept it or not, or whether consciously we want to have them or not, we're going to have some judgments about different groups that we have to be aware of. And that's why I was saying the very important step is just to acknowledge that this can exist. Acknowledge that although we probably wish it not to be true, it's very possible that we hold on to some of these beliefs. And we don't have to beat ourselves up about it because we know that a big contributing factor is the images and the jokes, statements, movies, whatever it might be that we see different groups portrayed. These are what's going to have a big effect on these biases. That's what's going to lead to us internalizing these types of judgments about different groups of people. This is why culture and media and what you as an individual, let's say as a parent, say to your kids why that's so important, because we see that even on an unconscious level, these things seep into our brains and we might not realize they are there. And as, as I mentioned, even some African Americans will show this white preference bias. And this is reminiscent of the test that was done many years ago, many decades ago, where children were asked to choose dolls. And even African American children tended to choose the white dolls over the black dolls. And this was used as evidence in the Brown versus education case to show that segregation was not going to be good or that it was hurting the African-American children. But we see that these negative biases can exist to this day. And this can be why even someone who is struggling with their sexuality and thinks they might be gay, they might have a hard time accepting this because they themselves might harbor gay equals bad or gay equals sinful biases in their brain. And so when they think about themselves now, they think, well, that means I'm sinful or I'm bad or I'm these things. So we can see how powerful these biases can be and also powerful in their effect and powerful that they're not so easy to change. But we can change them. Now, one way that I thought the book I would have liked and I was actually expecting it would have more was talking about how these biases might come about. There was some discussion of that for sure. But what is contributing to these biases as far as things in the media um, or popular culture and whatever else it might be. And they did have a chapter about how we can try to counteract them, but it wasn't very convincing. And maybe because, as they were saying, there isn't a lot of evidence yet saying how we can counteract it. One way I think that definitely can help is by having exposure to positive images of whatever the groups are that you might have a negative association. We know that a big part of uh, things like racism or prejudice comes from ignorance. When you don't know much about a group other than what you see in the media, you're going to have some stereotyped views of them. So for example, myself as a, someone who's Middle Eastern, if you're someone who's never really met Middle Eastern people 
and you live in an area where they don't really exist and there's not a lot of them, based on what you see in the media, you assume they're all terrorists or religious fanatics or other negative things because unfortunately that's the majority of what people see in news and there's not much representation on TV shows and movies other than that, that they're usually some kind of terrorist or something negative in that way. So it's very likely that those associations are unconsciously and automatically going to be in your head and we have to be aware of that. But now if you actually started to have some Middle Eastern friends or became familiar with some Middle Eastern families and saw that they were not very different from you, this would start to counteract those hidden biases that you have. And over time, it could have an effect of reducing those judgments that you automatically make about people, which is quite interesting. So the book I found uh, you know, good talking about this test that I was familiar with, but in more detail, the implicit association test and how it can reveal these biases that we might have. And to anyone listening, like I said, I'd invite you to take the tests for yourself because I think many of us think, oh, I know myself. I'm not racist. I'm not judgmental in that way of any group. I see everyone as equal. And of course, we'd like to hold on to that ideal, but to think that we hold on to it unconsciously might be thinking too much of ourselves, that we have to just accept that this might be part of who we are, part of living in today's culture or in today's societies that these types of thoughts and ideas are going to seep into our unconscious. So it's good to take these tests and many people have a very negative experience of seeing, wow, I wish I didn't have this unconscious association, but it appears that I do because it's good to be aware of it, even if it is a little bit discouraging and disheartening so that you know that I hold on to this bias, so I should think about it. If I ever encounter people from that group, I might unconsciously, even if I think I don't, I might unconsciously have this thought or belief about this group because that can also be a way to counteract it. If I'm aware that I have something against these people unconsciously, then if I have to make a decision related to people from that group, I can use this knowledge of my bias to help me counteract that, at least to some degree. And that can be important. So it's a good book and a good read and very um, easy to read from what I experienced. So I'd recommend this book. And like I said, you can go online to the, and you can just Google implicit association tests and it'll take you to some places where you can take them online and it'll give you your results. But the book for this week was Blind Spot by Mazarin Banaji and Anthony Greenwald. And the book for this week that I'll talk about next week is The Science of Couples and Family Therapy by John and Julie Schwartz Gottman. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, doctor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for calling. I'm good. Thank you so much. I know we talked a little bit earlier, but I just wanted to let you know I, I love what you guys do. I'm an avid listener. Oh, thank you. We appreciate um, you listening you so and your much. support. Thank you. Um, so to begin, let's see. So uh, out of high school, I went to uh, community college. Mm -hmm. um, I was there for two years. Um, I did everything I, I 
correctly. I got a 4.0 GPA. I, I had uh, activities, uh, extracurriculars, and um, work experience. Um, I wanted to go to, to Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately, um, I surprisingly didn't get into Santa Barbara, UCLA, or Berkeley, mm. um, which was surprising to me. Um, so after that happened, I, I was kind of didn't know what to do. I was kind of lost a little bit, but I got accepted to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to, I decided I was going to go there. I mean, it was pretty much the only option on the table at that point. Um, but a few weeks ago, I got accepted to uh, USC's Marshall School of Business, mm-hmm. okay. um, which is which is a very good school. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, Basically, I, I, I don't know um, what I should do. It's been a question that's been bugging out my brain for, for a long time um, because I've always wanted to kind of get out of L.A. I've been here for um, my whole life, but I don't know, I don't know what's more important, if it's, if it's the academic uh, value of, of what I'll get out of um, USC um, or if it's the experience and growing um, by leaving L.A. and kind of um, becoming my own person out there. Um, and there's also, you know, the, the question of the, if it's worth it financial-wise. Sure. Um, and obviously it's not an easy decision or else you wouldn't be having a hard time making it. So it's not likely we're going right. to figure okay. out a one true answer that is going to be the only right answer. Of course. But there's a lot of things to look at. Um, and so I think you mentioned off the air, but you're 19, correct? Yes, yeah, okay. I'm 19. So you, you finished college quickly too then, if you did two years of college, or this is your second year now? So I'll be transferring as a junior. As a junior, okay. So you haven't transferred yet. You got into San Diego. That's correct. Yeah, I got into San Diego and Marshall, and uh, I actually appealed um, UCLA and Berkeley. Yeah. Um, Were you applying as a business in, in, for business in all of those schools? I applied uh, for the business school at USC. Um, I applied as uh, international economics for San Diego, and I applied as environmental economics in Berkeley, which is what I wanted, what I want to do, mm-hmm. or what I wanted to major in the most, um, and economics, which is which is very competitive at UCLA. Yeah, yeah, because that's why with the four point it is surprising. Although I know, I remember when I was at Santa Monica College, some of the like biology, maybe it was even psychology, a few majors that said even with a four you're not guaranteed because it's that competitive, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. But And that was a while ago, so I can imagine usually things have gotten more competitive. Um, so I can yeah. understand you're, you're you know, wanting to figure that out. I don't know, have you met with any counselors from either your community college or talked to the schools about why they think your application, uh, you didn't get accepted to those schools? Well, I actually went with my father to UCLA and spoke to uh, one of the admissions directors there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, basically she just said it, it's highly competitive, um, which, and, you know, they don't, they don't really give a clear answer, which also made it kind of difficult to kind of digest. Sure, that's frustrating. Uh, yeah, you went there to get an answer, and it seems like you felt like they didn't give yeah. you one. So they didn't give you a clear, yeah. they said it's competitive, but they didn't say this is what your application was lacking or... Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, th- and that's what was dif- that was, was was most difficult for me is that I really didn't know what I could have done more mm-hmm. to better my my application or to better my chances. Um, yeah. And that's what would, was the hardest thing for me. Sure. No, I could see that. That's uh, first of all, you. I think you thought you were going to get in, which is understandable with 4.0 and with work experience and, like you said, doing everything right. And then um, to not get in and then to not really get an answer that's clear, I could see how you're pretty frustrated and even maybe angry at those schools, which then if you were to get into them. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Go ahead. It's not not really anger, honestly. Um, It's kind of because I know how... how, um, I know that these schools are, are not very reliable, even if you have all the credentials and, and uh, academic performance. Uh, it's more, I kind of, like, didn't know if, if all of it was worth it, kind of working working um, hard to get those grades, because it, it kind of I, it wasn't very validating that, that it, it didn't work out the way that I planned and the way that I, that I saw it fit. You mean, you mean um, not getting into the schools made you feel like it wasn't worth working that hard? Yeah, it wasn't. Not that it wasn't worth working that hard, but that it it wasn't. It wasn't validating that all right. the work that I put into these past two years. You know? um, that I can understand. I was gonna, you know, first I was thinking, well, you know, the you know, the hard work is was part of it's to do the hard work and to learn and to go through the process. But yeah, I think you felt like it was unfair that you didn't get the validation or the result right. you were, you thought you deserved based and, on your hard work. Yeah, and on top of that, you know, all everyone around me who who didn't have as good grades and as much work experience and and um, and academic performance, they they are all getting in, and I'm very happy for them. Don't get me wrong, because I also help them get the classes that they need and and this and that. But it's it's again, it's just like doesn't validate how sure. years that I've that I've no, I mean, I get hard, that. You know? Yeah. The fr- I would understand, you know, if you're frustrated or, you know, this doesn't feel fair, that makes sense. Um, but we do have to, you know, we understand the feelings and it's important to, to face those and to acknowledge them. And even, you know, you're just talking about validating, make sure you validate those feelings that you have. But then we have to also accept, okay, this is the situation. What are we going to do going forward? Um, yeah. So you mentioned right now, the choices, it seems like you have ahead of your UCSD, USC, and then also just waiting on these appeals? That's correct, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so the idea of, you know, it seems like what you find the value of UCSD, well, one is that it costs less, has less financial cost, um, right. but also getting to live away from L.A. I mean, yeah, we, that's, you, that's a little bit... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say that um, something that, that kind of takes precedent is that I'll have that ability if I go to San Diego to, to kind of grow in another direction. That, mm-hmm. that maybe SC, uh, USC Marshall, um, I, can, I can grow another way. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can, I can grow uh, another way, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I feel... I feel like in San Diego, I'll have that. Um, it'll just set me up to grow the way that I, that I that I think I need to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, another option, although I don't know if you have that, is to go to USC but not live at home. I already know you mentioned the financial cost right. of going to USC, but to give yourself that space 
because it seems like that's something you want, which can be very important to to grow in that way is important. So I wouldn't um, downplay that. So um, it's not just getting out of home. Um, thank God I have a, a, an amazing home with an amazing family. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also kind of, you know, meeting new friends, meeting new people, um, kind of, kind of just becoming, I don't know, like, um, I don't know how to put this, just growing, growing out of the shell that I've been in with the, you know, I mean, the Persian community, I've been within it for, for my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, kind of just, I don't want to leave it completely, but I, I do want to, to grow as a person. So what, how do you feel like that's maybe limited you? Because it seems like there, um, there must be things about it you don't like or you feel like are limiting if you want to change it. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong to change it, but I'm wondering what, how do you feel like it limits you or how does it influence you in ways that you don't like? What does the... the, the being, yeah, the community in, exactly. Well, I, I wouldn't say that it limits me, um, but I do, feel, I do feel that there are expectations um, that even even I do hold those expectations for myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that there's so much pressure within the community that um, sometimes I feel like just kind of getting out and and w- without without the pressures of, of of the community around you, you can kind of grow in another way. And it's not to say that I want to completely toss it out the window and forget about it and never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do appreciate some values and, and I do appreciate the people and, and I, and I really do. I, I love all my friends. Um, but I think, I think that it is important for myself to, to kind of grow, um, outside a little bit. Okay. And again, that could and be I, a, a good thing. I, we have to just make sure it's not that you're unhappy about something or about life and that it's about you and you're obviously going to be there or if it's really something here, because also you could live life differently here. So in LA, you don't have to. I'm not yeah, saying it's the yeah, right choice, but I'm just that, saying, yeah, go ahead. Other, sorry, I'm so sorry. I keep no, that's all right. That's that's the other. Uh, that's that's another option. If I go to uh, USC, um, I mean, I I could take myself out of out of the comfort zone. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are there, and I know they're gonna be calling me and texting me every night and, and asking me to come and I'm going to feel bad if I, if I say no and reject them. And, well, and, that's, yeah, so that's maybe worth talking about. Why would you, why is it bad if you, they want to ha- make plans and you say you don't want to do it either because you want to study or you don't want to hang out with them? Can't you, you, it seems like there's some guilt you have about saying no. Yeah, you're right. There, there is a little bit of guilt for me saying no because I feel like there's some sort of pressure and expectation that they have that we have to hang out, we have to go out, we have to, you know, be together all the time. I mean, that's how that's how it's been the past couple couple years. And I think it's just also my age. I know I know around this age, friends are together a lot more. I've also heard you say say that listening to you. Um, but you know, friends kind of become closer in these age this age. Um, but I, I feel like even though I, I do hang out with them a lot, um, I think it's also good to kind of meet new people, become friends with new people, and and see how you know other people are. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And I do, you know, adolescence with and like you know later adolescence 
which you're you're still definitely in, it, it is a time for peers and friends to become a bigger part of our lives. But you also, it's important to choose those friends and the your relationships and the way you make those relationships too. But it seems very much like you feel like you're stuck to have certain friends and certain types of relationships that you don't like if you're here. But if you go somewhere else, you can yeah. have a clean slate and create something different. And that's something I think we're looking at a little bit more. What is it about the friends here or the relationships here that you don't like? And it seems like you like them, but something about it is is not right, whether it's the types of relationships or if you feel like the influence or the type of people they are and you feel like you're so in the community, you can't really come out of it unless you're physically not there but that could be an important mm -hmm. test for you again maybe even you decide to to stay in san diego but i'd want you to look at well why can't what's what's wrong with my relationships here and could i create better relationships myself not by the convenience that i have to leave but actually myself maybe even having uncomfortable conversations or situations and dealing with what's there so what what is it that you don't like or how do you feel like you're that's i said limited i don't i was just thinking of words uh -huh. something seems to be not quite right about the social right. atmosphere you find yourself in um well i guess to start off um i have i have only a few friends that i can truly uh talk to about aside from personal issues or anything, talk to about, you know, philosophy or things, things that interest me, like, like science, mathematics, psychology, philosophy. That, that is you know, some things that I, I truly do like talking about. And, and I have um, maybe like three or four friends that, that kind of get that mm -hmm. and that kind of like talking about that too. Um, but the majority are, I wouldn't say so materialistic, but kind of, kind of just, you know, the friends that are there to, to make jokes and just to go out and, and just to have fun. Mm -hmm. um, I learned in my um, inter interpersonal communication course, there, there are like three types of friends. Um, the friends that, that you're friends with um, soul for the sole purpose of, of being friends and, and kind of getting, getting past one another and, and talking to each other. And then there are friends that use you to get somewhere and then there are friends that are just there to to you know make jokes and like i said so i guess the majority are, are like those friends yeah um and i i guess I'm, I'm kind of looking for more relationships that will grow grow more so maybe it's not me that i want to grow and it's maybe my relationships that i want to grow more yeah and that's why you know it might be the people but i'd also not want to just put it all on them that you're also not creating those relationships too and so it's possible you go to a different school, different city, and you create that. But I would say, think about the part you contribute to the situation you're in. And maybe you're not in you, you know, I definitely agree that the adolescence years, you're going to focus a lot more on the friendships, but also you get to choose how you invest your time in those. And the older you get, the easier that is when you're in high school you're surrounded by people that you can't really choose a lot of it to a degree. You still can, obviously, but it's less in your control. But in college and as you get older, usually your your network gets a little bit smaller but more interconnected, and you can choose who you hang out with more. So I would want you to think of, well, is it really them in L.A., or is it me, the friends I'm investing in, the ways I'm creating those relationships? 
Um, Because, yeah, you're right. I think L.A. overall as a city is more materialistic or shallow even than some other cities. But it doesn't mean that you can't create good friendships that are deep in Los Angeles because we're talking about just a few people. You know, it's not everyone. Um, So uh, that's the part where I'd want you to think of, okay, what am I contributing to this? Am I not having those kinds of friendships? Am I not spending more time with those friends that I see are that type of way that are more willing to have those kind of conversations I want to have what's going on there because it seems to me you know this decision of you you know moving away can be a very good experience like I said I think you can even do that here although it would be different than if you're even like a two-hour drive away but the idea with the friends I'd want you to we have to look a little bit deeper is okay what's going on it's not just if I go to a new city everything is going to work out what's happening here Mm -hmm. and even maybe some of it is there's some friends you have that you maybe don't want to be so close to but you feel like you have to be close to them but then we have to say okay why Mm -hmm. can't you change those dynamics and and spend more time with people you want to spend time with right yeah honestly you you did you hit it on the nail um i think i think that is definitely a, a major not issue, but a, a, a big thing that's, that's weighing in on this decision. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's kind of a, a hard thing to deal with, too, because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm constantly surrounded by them. Um, and, and it's not to say that it's, it's bad when I'm surrounded by them, because I, I, I really do love them because I've had so many great experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like that there's, there's, more, there's more than just these one one level friendship sure and yeah that's something like i said it could you know it could be the social group you're in but then it's up to you to to choose choose a different one you know and i know that's a lot easier said than done and school is a good way to create new friends whether it's here or a different city um but i think that's what i'd want you to look at is okay not just blaming them for the lack of the depth of your friendships but also taking your own responsibility of how am I not contributing to it, both in the relationships I create and the people I choose to have relationships with? That that's even more mm-hmm. in your control than to just say, well, if I'm in the right city, then I'll have those friendships. But if I'm in L.A., I can't have them, you know, because you said you have a few friends where you yeah. can have that. Why are you, you know, yeah. and let me ask and you, why aren't you investing more time with those friends? I, I, I definitely am. I mean, okay. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty equal. Okay. Um, those those friends are also, um, you know, in the same group as me. So when I'm with when I'm with him or or her, I'm I'm also with other other uh, people too. So it's like it's not like we're so distant. And yeah. oddly enough, um, one of my closest friends actually goes goes to USC. So I will be with, there with him as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And so you know. Like I said, we probably weren't going to get to the bottom of it and give you a, a set in stone answer. But I want you to think about those issues also. That the social side of things is it more something that it's like a me situation, or is it really L.A. San Diego? And then you know you still might decide to go to San Diego because you think it's the right choice. But I want you to look at even more, and it's not obviously about blame, but about accepting our responsibility and contribution because then we can change that. But what are you contributing to the social uh, situation you're in that you're not so happy about and then seeing what you can do? Right. Um, okay. 
I mean, what do you think uh, weighing in the, all the all the I mean, these two options with all the factors, with the academic, the experience, mm-hmm. and financial too? Yeah, um, I mean, I, know you'd, I, I don't want you to to I don't expect you to make a decision. Sure. But how do you think I should weigh these factors? Yeah, and I mean, I definitely won't. You know, talk especially because. For many reasons, including I don't really know even your family situation. If finances are not an issue, then then that may becomes a lot less significant, you know. So uh, it does depend on those what your the family impact is. Also, your major, if it's business, it does seem like USC is much stronger than UCSD, as far as I know. You might know more right. about it, although you right. said you're doing international economics at UC San Diego. So it depends on your yeah, future okay. goals and things you want to do as well. So you know, I would take into account the wherever you can get the best, I think, academic experience is going to be important for you because that's going to contribute to your success if all things are equal as far as your family being okay with handling that burden or you taking mm-hmm. it on yourself, whatever it is you're deciding to do. Um, so I'd look into those things and make sure it's a school you're going to be happy and proud about going to, which I think all of them are, but you have to feel good about it. And I think right. even in hearing you talk, I, I think there's a probably a hint of perfectionism even the 4.0 good on you that's great that you got that um and usually if you have some perfectionism making decisions are difficult especially these kinds of ones where there isn't a clear right or wrong so just know that whatever you choose it's not going to feel 100 percent right because there isn't 100 percent, and that's okay but just weigh the things out some of them that we talked about and then come to the conclusion that you feel good about make the decision and just go forward with that don't second guess it at that point once you've committed to it and then go and continue being successful like you've been at school so far thank you yeah um i i I think i think you're right i do see that uh and and even my father kind of says um maybe there is some some sort of perfectionism yeah i I do like things to be just right i feel that Um, you know we've gone way over the commercial break and i I thought we might wrap it up i do want to talk to you a little bit so hang on let's talk a bit after the break about the perfection because that's going to be really important okay okay thanks all right you're listening to in session with dr fatty delacqui we'll be right back Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to him now. Radio Hammer, are you there? Hi. Hi. Okay, so we were talking about your decision or trying to make a decision about where to go to college, where to transfer. And then at the end, we talked about the possibility of you having some perfectionism. And you mentioned your dad says he thinks he sees it in you. Um, So tell me how you see it in yourself, and then we can talk a bit about that. Well, um, I guess... I guess I just I just like things um, kind of not not my way, but I I feel like there's a right way for for things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just like even even um, if you want an example, sure. Maybe, um, like even at dinner, uh, my brother will be sitting with us, and like kind of towards the end, he'll just like pick a pick a cucumber out of a salad and I'll, I'll say like why did you do that like I just feel like it's not right um, but I, I, I know that I know that I do have these um, little uh, things that, that I feel things need to be like kind of the right way mm-hmm. um, and I, I kind of feel like this is kind of blending into 
my decision making for college as well. Yeah, uh, so definitely, like we were saying a bit before the break, because there isn't clear right and wrongs with these kinds of decisions, it can become very difficult. And so people who have perfectionism and what you're also touching on has a hint of OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, uh, mm-hmm. at least some tendencies of that. And in both cases, decision-making can be difficult because, again, when you're trying to find a right and wrong, there isn't one as there is in, like, let's say, a math equation, and that can make that difficult. Um, And usually what comes with that kind of anxiety can be, at times, some anger towards things when they don't go the way you like them. Do you feel that, too, that if it doesn't go your way, you get angry or you feel an anger inside if if you don't express it? It's not. No, I don't feel anger. Maybe a little discomfort. Okay. Not, no anger. Not and and it's not even like I'm like, like so much discomfort that I can't take it. Mm-hmm. It's like a little irk, irk that I'm like, okay. oh. So it might be a milder kind of, milder than anger, but something there, just discomfort. But you know, that's something to think about. We only have like about six minutes, so that's we won't okay. explore too much of the the OCPD. But I think one, I want you to think about that, and maybe even you can look at some of the 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 traits but uh, okay. being preoccupied with rules and things being a right way is one of the the big like hallmark traits so take a look at that but the perfectionism itself um do you like when it comes to let's say tests or in general is are you one of those people that if it's not perfect you feel like it's a failure it's really bad do you get attached not to at all. no okay good because yeah perfectionism is one of those like a lot of terms, like psychological terms, that we use it sometimes in conversation different than what it really means. Because right. in reality, perfectionism is very dangerous. Because if someone is a perfectionist, they have the feeling that if it's not perfect, it's a failure. If it's not perfect, it's zero. And also, if I'm not perfect in this moment, then I'm nothing. Because I have to be right. perfect to be lovable or be worthy of mm-hmm. love and all that. But it seems like maybe you don't have it to that degree, which is a no, good sign. I, I don't think so, because... I am I am still happy with with the choices that are on the table, even though I had I had no intention of going to either of them. Okay, um, good. Because I know they're good schools. They're great schools. Yeah. My hard work, my hard work did pay off for these schools, just not how uh, I, I I planned for two years ago. But I know that these are still two great schools. Good. And that anywhere anywhere I go, it's going to be an amazing experience, and, and it's how I make the experience. Know, That's exactly what I was going to say. Great. The, the last part to me was so important. We've said it, it's going to be an amazing experience because you'll make it an amazing experience. And your hard work, uh, it's good news and bad news. Really, to me, it's more good news, but your hard work has just begun, obviously. So you have a lot more right. hard work that you're going to get to do Definitely to continue right. achieving and, and, you know, and doing all that, which is great. But, yeah, so, I mean, the good news is you are choosing between you know, a good and gooder, so to speak, you know, neither option is going to be bad. They're both very good schools. So keep that in mind. You know, sometimes I've seen people, you know, you can be buying a new car and they're stressing over the color so much because they want to get it right that they take away the pleasure of this is so fun. I get to get a new car that it becomes actually tortuous and not even enjoyable anymore. So my dad says the exact same thing. Okay. Yeah. So that's something that we, do you feel like you do that or no? He says that just in general. No, he says that in general. Okay. Like, so this is this is why I put the down payment on both. Uh, it's just like a two hundred dollar payment on both the schools, just to give me more breathing time because okay. I, I only had a week to decide. Yeah. So, uh, just to give me more time and not stress about it and worry about it. He said, give yourself time, think about it, 
um, wait to hear back from the other schools that I appealed, and don't don't stress about it too much because wherever you go, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's saying that. And then and even with him and your family, I'm sure everyone's going to have their opinions. But make sure you make the decision at the end that it's really something you're happy with because you're, you're going to have to live it. You know, so you it has to be something right. that you feel good about. Um, and you know, explore those different things. What do you think will be best for your career and going forward? And yeah, I think. It'll be what you make of it more than San Diego is going to be the right choice or L.A. is going to be the right or the wrong choice. It's more what you make of it. But I would definitely look again at that social aspect of things and seeing um, what's going on there. Maybe there is a feeling of not wanting to upset other people. Many people are very avoidance of confrontation. And so you might have some of that, too, that you don't want to confront some of your friends or create changes that might make them feel uncomfortable that might be contributing to what's going on there. It seems like the mm-hmm. perfectionism might not be such an issue for you, which I am happy to hear because that can be really damaging to, to someone yeah. going forward. If that's not there, and even the way you describe the rules and how you'd like things to be a certain way, if it's not extreme, that's not too significant either. So it th- yeah, seems like that's okay. I, I don't- in my opinion, I, I don't I don't feel like that's so precedent in my personality. Okay. I think there's just a little few things, and I think it's kind of normal to have that. Sure. Kind of, um, well, yeah, that's a good point. And whether it's normal, you know, it, well, two things. Maybe the degree you have it is actually normal, one. But even mm-hmm. it's normal for us to be abnormal in the sense that everyone right. has something going on. Now, it doesn't mean right. we ignore it. We can maybe address it and try to to deal with it and improve it or minimize the negative impact right. it has and maximize the positive. But we all have something. So, you know, even let's say if you right. do have a preoccupation with certain things, let's just say if you did, that's okay because it's normal for us all to have something because right. everyone's got something going on. And that's kind of on. the oxymoron of perfectionism. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's well well said. So I think that's that's good. And you have a, it seems like you have a good head on your shoulders. I think whatever Thank choice you, you make, you're going to go on and be successful. So just, you know, make it and then go forward. And then the rest is going to be, that's going to be, the decision's going to be less important than what you do going forward. So best of luck with you. It was nice talking to you. I do have to wrap up the show for tonight. Definitely. Thank you so much, Doctor. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We've reached the end of tonight's show. I did want to say it is Amir who is here with me in the studio. It is his birthday tomorrow. So I wanted to say happy birthday. Amir John, he um, is always here on my Monday night shows and allows me to, if I do sound good, it's because of him and he makes sure everything runs smoothly here. So I couldn't do it, my Monday night shows without him, but wish him a very happy birthday and he hurt his foot. Well, it happened a while ago. It's a long story, but I hope it continues to get better. But happy birthday, Amir John. Hope you enjoy celebrating that. Thank you to our caller there and the listeners. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolokwi. Have a wonderful night.